start as soon as we go yeah and we can cut it down to whatever yeah size it needs to be yeah that works for me all right are we rolling buddha says yes all right are we rolling jimmy yes we're rolling 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 keep them doggies rolling rolling rolling, rolling. save them all don't try. Oh, look, it's a dog shadow. I'm making uh, like uh, I've even got a dog. Oh, shadow. that's right. Look at that. It's kind of groovy. <laughs> so you choose that then in your settings to not like not show the mirror image to show it. So because I see save them all correct, not backwards. Right. So. Yeah, so that I appear as I appear. Something like that. Yeah, I, I can't read it. It's it's backwards to me. Is it? Yeah. No. Okay. I, on the other hand, appear like that uncle that's never invited to Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> that shows up anyway? Exactly. <laughs> with gifts for all that are dug out of the closet, you know, like his old little sweats. Sally, some broken flower vase. Oh, it's from his China. Old used sweatsuit. Exactly. <laughs> his girlfriend's come stained nightgown. <laughs> did he just say that? Oh, I'm what did he just thought- say? I've almost got all the phrases now that um, I'm really happy with the Swahili one for Ubenza, <laughs> partly because it was a lot of fun communicating with the guy who did it because he said, well, what kind of vibe are you going for? And um, I went online to YouTube and I found uh, African stand up comic. I didn't know what he was saying, but I could tell by the tinder of the voice like that's and I sent him the link and then he sent me back. Well, here's what he's joking about, which was really funny. It was like romantic music that's piped into malls and stuff and how it's really nice for couples that are there. But for the single person, they're like, fuck you. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was a fun exchange. And I think what he turned in, you'll like the Yiddish one. You know, I think it'll have its own um, value, humor, perspective based on the tone that it is. I mean, that's part of all of this is the contrast and juxtaposition and, you know, the humor of our natural way. Yeah. You met Toast, right? Our friend from high school, Tony Jackson. I think so. I saw your interview with him. Okay. 
or yeah. a piece of it. I didn't see all of it. I think you guys have met. Anyway, he's supposed to do two crackers united for West Compton, but it's hard to pin that guy down. You mean the VO yeah. voiceover? I see. So I can just go back to Fiverr. That's an easy one. So I have that one and then the Monday, you know, the actual time for two crackers. Awesome. <laughs> Which reminds me, like you said, it's in the cloud, so I'm not worried about it, but I don't have last week's. Yeah, I haven't sent it to you. Right. Okay. But we're good. We're like, we're doing our thing. We're mm -hmm. rolling along. Hey, did that uh, client re-up for? I won't know for another week or two. Okay. I had this thought though. If you mind my, yeah, you up for a spark of a thought? Sure. Okay. Because I was thinking about any realm, but I was thinking primarily of coaching and psychiatry. There's um, an element of not losing a person because there's this idea like I need that revenue, you know, for my own life. And then I was thinking of the course and how it's ultimately saying the teacher's goal is to teach themselves out of existence. Like, absolutely. Right. So what I was thinking is because last week, if I may, like maybe partially parallel. Now we start. That was a false start. I came too quickly. I apologize. <laughs> Now we do foreplay. <laughs> that was nasty. For those of you who do, are just listening, Mark just wiped his eye as though something had splattered in it. <laughs> oh, that just hurts me, and that's rare. <laughs> you think it hurts you. My eyes are stinging. <laughs> Oh, man. Hey, um, are you and Kathy inclined to go to Bottle Rocket? Uh, Bottle Rock? Bottle Rock. We went before and we had a really good time. We, you know, we're, we're open to the opening. It's sort of those big concert scenes are a little bit different because um, you don't know the people. And I don't know how, you know, that's all going to play but I'm open to considering anything at this point. Why? What do you got? Well, they've got this amazing lineup, man. Yeah. Miley Cyrus, Foo Fighters, Guns N' Roses, Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. for That's for the fall, right? I've, I don't know when it is. Yeah, I think it's in the fall. I'll look, but that, that sounds great. I saw the Foo Fighters there where um, while they were playing, the food fighters went over their time and so they turned off the mains and the food fighters were up on stage and fortunately we were far enough up front that we could still hear the stage instruments right the drums yeah. and the guitar amps right you could still hear all that but you couldn't hear any vocals at all wow. um so it was like it was odd they kept going because they were like fuck the fuck the curfew bah. but bottle rock they're like you know what this is a multi-million dollar year and year out and it's not just the fines it's that if we break curfew we could lose our our, our license to do this so 
it was fun to see Dave Grohl do that. Yeah, I like his vibe. He's definitely he's a strong character. Yeah, I thought that the have you seen the Mick Jagger video he did? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I've heard some people harsh on it, but I thought it was a good song. It's fun. Yeah. Well, there'll be one of the signs of success is that people are criticizing you. <laughs> yeah, I was um their music that they put out in that golden era of like the 70s right to you know the 70s i think where this I guess late 60s 70s there's just so much good music you mean the stones yeah and the foo fighters were a little young then oh the stones and i was just considering you know like how you know, get off my cloud, um, <clears throat> fighting man, give me shelter. Just so many great songs. And then comparing that to albums they put out in 2000. And there'd be a song off and on. And I'm just wondering, like, how how is it that that happens where... But then I'm wondering, is it me? It's the lack of heroin. That's what I'm thinking. You know, I, <laughs> I kicked my habits. And no, the, not for you. Oh, for them. <laughs> <laughs> once, Keith, once Keith cleaned up, it was all over. That's twisted. Man, I did come across a video, though. Of, they still kick ass live. Like I was, there was someone had a video on YouTube from you know, within the past five years. And Ron Wood is just doing this scream and rock and roll solo where I was just like, wow. Yeah. Wasn't even, I didn't know Ron could do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. He's, he's amazing. And he's come through two cancer battles. Yeah. Which is amazing. And then the third thing is, um, he's an amazing artist. Yeah. His paintings and stuff. I have a friend who's, um, an acquaintance of his through other mutual friends of theirs and they've got a rapport. I don't call it a friendship because, you know, people are all too quick to call themselves friends of, of rock and roll stars. <laughs> but I believe there is actually a rapport there because they're both really artistically inclined. And uh, he said that he's the perfect gentleman. He's a sweetheart. He's not like you would imagine a rolling stone, you know, like, gruff and blah, blah, blah. Um, the other thing that I was thinking about where you're talking about it is having read Keith, um, Richard's biography. Um, he's that angry old guy, which is what keeps him going. Like he talks about how the stagehands and the, the various roadies are like live in fear of him because really? if they miss one thing, he's going to kick their ass after the show, like uh, literally. Wow. Yeah. So he's a street fighting man and his whole, you know, that whole biography of him growing up in post-war England and scrappling and trying to, to, you know, scrape together a living, just he and his mom, you know, that's an incredible story of survival. And I think that's, you know, he and Bill Graham had kind of a rapport and Bill Graham was similarly, you know, he didn't have a father they were both Jewish. They were both trying to survive post-war trauma. And, you know, they made huge successes of themselves and managed to do good as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's funny. It's going to be over. Like, you can't have the Stones without Keith or Mick. Like, you can lose Ron Wood. You, you know, you could lose... Um, I don't know, Charlie. Charlie, yeah, Charlie. Without Charlie, it wouldn't be the Stones either. You're right. I mean, at this point, anybody that goes, and it's pretty much curtains for the Stones. Yeah. I think you're right about Ron, but that's in part because, you know, he's the third in that place, right? The they fourth. can replace a bass player. Fourth? No. Yeah, Charlie, Mick. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is Ron, that place, that like lead guitar place, Ron he's Wood. the fourth in line. He's the third. Third, you're right. Yeah. yeah. So like that position is switched over the years. We're kind of used to like, oh, there's a new lead guitars. So there's hope for me. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> better go on a diet. Up. Call up your friends. Say, I need to talk to Ron. Ron, you want to retire? Because I'd like to step in. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I just I, like. It's an interesting choice they made. And the bass player they have, he seems fine with it. You know, like he's a hired gun and he's happy. Yeah, I can see it from a business perspective. Mick was like, oh, you're leaving? Okay, now we're splitting it four ways. That's just good business. <laughs> Sadly, that's not how it works. Well. They're still splitting it five ways. Not the new stuff. Not the stuff Bill's still on. Not on. Um, he is a shareholder of the corporation. Okay. So he gets, you know concert revenue, merchandise revenue, he still gets paid. Yeah, but I'm believing that the four Rolling Stones get a salary for performing. Yeah, probably. And that's taken out of the profits. So then Bill and the corporation is splitting that yeah. that's left. And that's what I mean. Like Mick was saying, okay, the salaries were five people. Now they're four people. That's just better. I love how we're making this shit up. I know. Now <laughs> <laughs> we know what the. I think I'm the main one whose face is in mud. <laughs> yeah. Then Jimmy comes down the street with his briefcase and says, "You all work for me." And then Alan Wolf's attorney sues them and he, they work for him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I would love to go to uh, see them play at some point. Um, the last time I saw them live was at Mick's 40th birthday party. I was there. Yeah. That was funny, man. If you... It was a two-hour wait for Mick, to, right after Santana, yep. and then um, <clears throat> oh no, it was actually it was Peter Tosh that played. No, Peter Tosh opened. Oh, you're right, Santana, and then the Stones. And they flew these military helicopters in, and dropped giant ping pong balls and and blow up love dolls from the sky onto the Oakland Coliseum by the thousands. It was literally tons of blow up dolls. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. 
What a party. It was the Some Girls tour. Yep. And they hadn't done an encore the whole tour. And they came out, did an encore of Jumpin' Jack Flash, which I heard they hadn't played for like 10 years live. Yeah. That concert is the fucking best concert I have ever seen in my life. Yeah. And I remember going home and I'd lied to my mom about what I was doing because I was supposed to be at work or school or something. And she, she said, Greg, you know what's most disappointing is you lied to me and now you can't share the joy of the day with me, you know, because you've got this lie about what you really did. I was like, wow, <laughs> that's a psychological cut right there. You're just jealous, mom. <laughs> you wish you could go to Stone. Fuck you. <laughs> Under my room. You don't know me. <laughs> and so you were in high school, too. I was in. Yeah. Yeah, that was badass. I, I'm, it, was a, it was a great, great event. Yeah, I must have been. I, I was supposed to be at work because that was in July. So school wouldn't be a factor. Yeah, it was a long day. Yeah, it was. We ended up on the upper deck at the end. Wow. Just so, watching from afar, just trying to keep out of the melee. Well, we were down on the grass right around first base section, just like, ah. Yeah, Doug had been to um, um, Altamont. And so you already had some like juju about the stones he was like okay anything can happen you know what's hella funny is a uh, gentleman i know who i worked with and um <clears throat> he was at altamont he said it was one of the best shows he ever saw he, he was kind of removed from the whole crowd thing up on a hill and he didn't even really see what you know this whole chaos at stage he just was having a great there were time. some good bands that day and he, he enjoyed the stones. He thought it was great. Yeah. I hope we get to see them do one more record and one more tour at least. It's funny because I don't think I even own any stones records, which is blasphemy. Well, do you have a music subscription? Yeah, I could go to Amazon and listen to whatever I want if I wanted to. <clears throat> Paint it black. I think you two did a great version of Paint it Black for uh, the end of that movie with Al Pacino and Keanu Reeves, where Al Pacino's the devil. Oh, yeah. I feel like I forgot about that version. Yeah, it's really good. To go listen to it again. They pretty much are it. Like they're the last men standing on so many levels. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <Yeah. clears throat> I was thinking about them and Floyd. And uh, um, <clears throat> Zeppelin, the Who, like these giants among giants, just put out these icons of rock music, you know, that and 
thinking like comfortably numb and listening to the guitar, the keyboard, the drums, like how every element just makes that like sing and, if, and thinking of how they broke up and I, and it's a good reminder for me, you know, like whatever I'm a part of and believe I'm creating, it is a co-creation and just really respect that, not get all heady and full of myself. Oh, I'm the reason, blah, blah, blah. Okay, yeah, because each of them can say that. Right, exactly. And and the thing is, is that because they all created music by themselves, it never has whatever that element is where it's all together, you know. Freddie Mercury, his solo stuff, even Mick and Keith, their solo stuff. Yeah, there's some good stuff, but it's not what the Stones create. Yeah. Well, I think part of that is is the audience's participation. But in the recording process? Sure. It's sort of a, an obscure kind of occult view of it, but energetically, when you're doing that thing together, there's everybody that's not in the room that you're playing to. Mm. Mm. <clears throat> Ooh, that's kind of scary. <laughs> we're not separate. <laughs> we have all been here before. Oh, now we're back to that. But that's not in this recording because that was a false start. You could cut it in. Yeah. I don't think we recorded it. Okay. Yeah, you're right. So now we're talking about something they'll never hear. Exactly. You missed out, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. Welcome to FM Radio Voice. <laughs> yeah, late night FM Radio Voice. <laughs> and now we're going into the smooth sounds of Aja. <laughs> When you say that word, I think of the album Asia by Steely Dan. And I always used to think, who's this guy, Dan? And why is he so steely? I mean, imagine this guy in the band, like, just looking, squinting, Clint Eastwood style. I'm like, you know, like, play a wrong note and you're dead. That's so funny. Uh, that's like so many people thought, you know, Jethro Tull. Yeah, isn't Jethro Tull? He's really good, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and of course the infamous by the way which one's pink yeah yeah we all know that was sid well there again yeah that's there's a lot of stuff in that whole story you know how like when they were doing um What's the one brain on dark side of the moon? They were recording. Yeah. Brain damage. And Sid shows up at the studio and they don't recognize him. There's this heavyweight guy standing there kind of. That's Sid. And like, you know, shows up out of the blue during the recording of that. 
Yeah, that was the alchemical process that like his mere presence changed the molecular structure in the room. Well, yeah, and I think he definitely sent that group off on a road. He obviously, like what what they did though, I don't know if they would have done um, animals, dark side of the moon, wish you were here, the wall with Sid. Yeah, it's sort of funny because those kinds of thoughts, it's like, um, you know, what if if uh, Francis Ford Coppola had let George Lucas do Apocalypse Now instead, there would have been no Star Wars. Right. It's like it's sort of irrelevant. It's it's like saying, you know, you know, India would still be British if it weren't for Gandhi. It's like. <laughs> there is an element of who cares like why are you spending energy imagining your personal egotistical scenarios of what could be what yeah like really greg really you think you know no you don't know shut up it's fun to entertain these ideas though of what would happen if right so are the alchemy of something yeah, the chemistry of like, let's imagine something in the future instead of the past. Like, what if Trump does win in twenty twenty four? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking musically. <laughs> well, there'd be a piper to be paid. <laughs> well, both David Gilmour and um, that guy who plays bass uh, in Pink Floyd. Uh, oh no, I just forgot. Roger Waters—they're still alive. Um, they are. Their but who passed dead. away? Was it Nick Mason who passed? Yeah, him? Nick's dead. Yeah. So, That's I mean, I don't even know if that you know uh, if they can still play. I mean, Ro Roger Waters seems to be still touring, but there's you know he's that one guy sold all his guitars. So, really, David yeah. Gilmore. Dave Gilmore sold all his guitars, so who knows whether he's still playing? He may have just given up the ghost arthritis weird stuff happens <clears throat> like with Crosby stills Nash Stephen stills is deaf now and so he can't sing I've seen him play you know on YouTube I've seen some of the last tours he's did but he's you know he still tries right but it's it's really sad because he just there's no way right he can't muster it now Graham Nash like Graham's still doing great. David Crosby, strangely enough, is singing as as good as he ever did. Wow. And he is writing songs at a level he's never written before. He's just like, he's put out five albums in the last four years wow. that are all like amazing compositions and vocal performances and stuff like that. Right. So, and it's so, it's sort of interesting because he's the ornery, you know, guy nobody likes. Right. I mean, he just, right, ostracized every single friend he had. And he speaks truth. He's like, if he were part of this podcast, we'd be saying, what did he just say? Like, he's the guy that's willing to speak his mind, even though it's not necessarily politically correct or even smart to manage your friendships, you right. know? Right. Um, and I just saw a bunch of press because this is the week where they re-released the 50th anniversary of that album, Deja Vu. This is really funny that you started the broadcast that we didn't record with this thing about um, Deja Vu, the song. Yeah. 
Right. We have all been here before. Right. That's been going through my head for the past two days. You probably heard it somewhere. No, I don't think so. Oh, oh. well, it's, it's, uh, being re-released this week. They've done a bunch of press on it and there was interviews with Stephen, David and Graham and together. Graham, no, David was, they were all interviewed separately and Graham was asked, so, you know, you know, how are the relationships? And he says, well, Stephen and Neil and I still talk, but none of us ever talked to Crosby again. <laughs> and they asked Crosby, like, what's up? And he's all, yeah, Neil's really pissed at me because I said bad things about his girlfriend. And I don't think Graham and I will ever talk again. So. These things happen. Egos. Yeah. 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 It can uh, turn on a dime. One turn of a phrase. And the thread is broken. Never to be repla repaired. Well. And then we have Guns N' Roses. <laughs> what? Are they touring with Slash? Yeah. Been, well, like, I had no idea that Slash was back in the band. Oh, yeah. They like when they got, you know, the tours they were doing just five, six years ago. He wasn't in the band then. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was. That was the whole thing. It was the When Hell Freezes Over tour because Slash and Axel were together again. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm so glad we went and saw them. You were with us, right? You went that night that you were in a, no, we went to the Oakland Coliseum and we saw a double bill of Guns N' Roses and Metallica. I wasn't there. Oh, wow. Well, a bunch of bohos rented a limo. No, I wasn't there for sure. Yeah. You were probably married with kids at that point. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, it was, it was debauched. I mean, I wasn't, I've never been much of a drinker. So for me, that wasn't such a problem, but it was, it was an epic show to see the original Guns N' Roses on the Use Your Illusion 2 show, show. And, um, there was kind of this, uh, thing between Metallica and Guns N' Roses, because of course Metallica was the, they were the older more established group at that point, but there was still this kind of uh, between the two fans, like no guns and roses, no Metallica. Right. And, um, again, day on the green outdoor Oakland Coliseum. And we end up in the second tier. Like we're not down in the melee. Like we we've, we've decided we're going to enjoy ourselves a little bit more than that. So we're like hanging out, drinking and in the, in the end, Again, it was a two-hour changeover. That's fucking wrong, Jesus. And that was the year that the fans decided to destroy the turf. And they ripped up the turf and they were throwing chunks of the turf onto the stage from the from the Oakland Coliseum uh, ring, uh, Stadium. And there was a big article in the next day in the paper about how the A's couldn't play their games because they, the fans had destroyed the turf. And, you know, it was this epic melee of dirt and grass, but, but both bands played really well. Like I remember really thinking the show was awesome. Like, I saw an interview with Lars and maybe it was just Lars talking about that tour 
and how the tour happened because they were friends. But then once in tour, sort of this media thing of who's headlining and who's, you know, right. Built I up created this a rivalry that, that didn't exist. Right. But the band sort of ended up embodying it. Like it was sort of weird, he was saying. And, and it just kind of became something, even though like, well, the press would, would say, well, what do you think, Axel? Do you, are you like tired of dealing with the fact that metallic, right? And they would just, you know, it's like if you're in a conversation and, and someone says it to you, now you have to deal with it. Now you have to digest it. But if it's you and Lars, if, if it's Axel and Lars sitting around going, ah, oh, man, you guys are great. No, you guys are great. Like then there's no problem. But as soon as someone says, hey, Lars, you know, Axel's not as good as you guys. And uh, right then, then it'd probably be the thing where Axel's saying, no, Metallica's better. No, well, <laughs> maybe not. Yeah, I think I think there's a talent to circumventing the chaos of media when someone has an agenda and they're trying to shove it in a negative manner and to be able to just sidestep that sort of jujitsu it past you yeah aikido move right yeah well and it's an interesting phenomenon about the way that because journalism in germanalism gerbilism oh, <laughs> oh boy <laughs> journalism in the united states and elsewhere is a commercial enterprise which is kind of sad because it's lost so much of its power as a result I just saw um, someone posted about their two newspapers. This is somewhere back east, went bankrupt, and the community created a community newspaper. It's all volunteer. And I thought, well, there you go. Like coming back to that basic commun communal communication. Like that sounded really cool. The other thing is, did you see the movie? Um, what is it? The woman with potential? What is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah. What'd you think? It's great. Fucking great. Right. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think it won a couple of Oscars, didn't it? I don't know. It should have. What an intelligent story. Like, wow, the intelligence behind that was amazing there was twice where i thought okay we're at the end that was okay and then it's going still and you're like whoa all right you know like yeah what a ride and then where it landed i was just like wow now how does that relate to journalism to you um sorry about that one moment please communication of a narrative and uh, and how that's a big part of that story a promising young woman is um how the agenda of the people involved supporting a narrative and that becoming the reality by which everyone is expected to live. Mm -hmm. And that's how journalism corrupts us these days, too. Yeah. Or what passes for journalism. 
Yeah, and I think there are honest journalists, you know, of course there are, but there's definitely a large <clears throat> media attention of clickbait and all these catchphrases we associate with social media and commerce. Yep. Which is interesting because I think, you know, Hearst, from what I've heard, created what was called yellow journalism, which was um, dramatic journalism meant to incite and just create drama. And he sold a lot of newspapers with that. Yeah, I'm trying to, I don't think I believe he invented it. He certainly got famous for exploiting it. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, when I, I think the class I was, um, I learned about him and it was associated with that term and how he was the one who sort of like the Murdoch of the day. Just. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the sinking of the main as a historical event is a really pivotal piece of that story because it wasn't actually as a result of an attack on the United States on the, the, the ship. It was an accident, but they exploited it so that they could then use that as a pretext for invasion. Mm. And I think that the sort of that gets echoed again later in um, what happened in Vietnam with the Gulf of Tonkin incident, which is where there was this story about a bunch of ships, U.S. Navy ships being attacked in the Gulf of Tonkin by Vietnamese forces and it wasn't true but it got played up as if it was massively true and it was an excuse for furthering the war and deepening the um commitment to the war in vietnam and um so just to complete the sort of the history lesson of it the reason that's true is that the economics of journalism and the economics of companies that build materials and vehicles and supply the United States armed services have a vested interest in the profit that they make from perpetuating the conflict. It's not just about the moral grounds of it. And that's really sort of the story of the 20th and 21st century in a nutshell is this idea that unfortunately the main reason for a lot of the violent activity of the United States armed services is about meeting the desires of people who want exclusive markets for resources and access to resources so they can exploit them for commercial purposes. And it's not really about saving people from tyranny and, and creating democratic institutions. So suddenly this show got very serious. <laughs> Well, that just reminds me of a Rumi quote that I saw, and it said um, something like, okay, I'm going to paraphrase it, but in essence, it was, you know, I was told to be careful of the enemy. So I was told to be careful of my enemy, so I watched myself closely. Something Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Something to that, you know, where the real enemy is myself. 
Is that a roomy book? Mm -hmm. It's not set up with a table of contents, though. What about an index in the back? Let's see what I got back here. No, it's meant to be discovered. Ah. Not, not as a reference. So I'll read the one that's on the first page. Come, 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 and yet again come. Whoever you are, wanderer, worshiper, lover of leaving, this is not a caravan of despair. It doesn't matter if you've broken your vow a thousand times. Still, and yet again, come. All right, that's very encouraging. The illuminated roomy. It has a little light bulb inside it. Jesus. Jesus Christ. Fasting. Oh, this is apropos because I'm going to start a fast soon. Are you? Yep. When? I think, uh, I think it starts June 2nd. Goes through the, um, the the solstice and beyond. You still doing the daily lessons? Yep. I haven't What's looked at today's yet. I still have to look at it. <clears throat> I marked that one for my class. The world, let them know it's Christmas time. What'd you say? The world, let them know it's Christmas time. Is that the Ark behind you from Indiana Jones? The Ark of the Covenant. That's rad. And the goblet from the other Indiana Jones? Nope. That's just a goblet for, that I have that's mine. Uh but that's the real arc from Indiana Jones? No, no. This is a prop replica thing that I got. No, but that's what I mean. Like, Yeah. Yeah, it's the design from the film. Right, right. Who knows what the actual Ark of the Covenant looked like? We don't know. Well, the, the fact that that goblet's there, because as I recall, that was the whole test, is there's all these very ornate, gorgeous goblets, and there was one plain kind of broken bent up one in the back and that was the one well that's um indiana jones and the um uh, temple of doom no the third one the binky yeah indiana that jones and the binky <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. they're making another indiana jones yes in fact is uh what's his name gonna be in it the kid nope Shia's not in it Shia's not in it and neither sean connery so what's it gonna be harrison ford <laughs> yep <laughs> all right i think my understanding is that it's a story that harrison wanted really wanted to tell when they made episode when they made episode four but george and george had been holding out and saying no 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 i want it to be about aliens 
and they had tried for years to get him not to do like, no, we don't want it to be about aliens. No, no, no. And he, they finally just relented like Stephen and Harrison relented from what I understand. And this is from an interview I read with Harrison Ford. I think I heard that, um, that, um, so I think the story they're about to tell is something Harrison wanted to tell all along about aging Indiana Jones. So it'll be interesting to see. I heard George got them really drunk, like they were doing shots of tequila. And he like said, hey, let's do this test. Like you write your name and watch how it degrades, you know, with shots. And then he slipped these contracts to them and they wrote their name on it. He's like, all right, we're doing the alien one. You signed it. And they're like, what? Yeah, that's not the story that I heard. Wow, that's weird. <laughs> Journalism. I, I'm, I actually like all of that sort of campy, like, you know, people expect these great big sh movie blockbusters to be like super deep and have this amazing story. And I'm like, they're comic books. It's yeah. a genre like yeah. the, the, the story about Indiana Jones and the um, uh, aliens. God, I, it's really bad. We can't remember these titles. We must be getting old anyway. Um, I like it. What? The last crusade. Yeah. That was the one with the cup. Okay. <laughs> so Sorry, we're Jones. One behind. We're catching up though. Yeah. Like what's the first one? It's called oh, Raiders, Raiders of the of Lost Ark. So Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, Last Crusade. Oh, um, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. No, um, it was called Frigidaire, the refrigerator that keeps you safe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the skull. What was it? The Temple of the Skulls. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. That was the last one? Yeah, that was episode four. Shaila Labo? Yes. And the Nazis and Were there Nazis in that one? Wasn't his dad in that one also? Uh no, that was uh oh, um, okay. Last Crusade. Okay. That was the Nazis. Their Nazis were in the first three. And I guess there were remnants of Nazis, Nazis in uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. What if they combine Yellow Submarine with Indiana Jones and he's going against the Blue Meanies? <laughs> I kind of like that, actually. That'd be rad. <laughs> he goes and it's like um, Roger Rabbit. He's going from reality into cartoon and... And, and, and the reason this happens is he's actually, he's, he's on, a, uh, an expedition, right. And he gets bit by this weird, um, frog. Yeah. And so he's tripping, he's like, yeah. he's feverish and he's in recovery and he keeps drifting in and out of consciousness. So it's sort of like, you know, um, wizard of Oz meets Indiana Jones. Right. And, yellow submarine yeah and you can even have like the real like george lucas and spielberg are like their characters just like in um wizard of oz how auntie you know and uncle they they were like they come into the storyline oh that'd be rad 
I would watch that movie. <laughs> now, did I ever tell you this, the origin story of Indiana Jones that I came up with? It's not sanctioned. It's not official Lucasfilm canon, but I'd still love to do this as a, like a, a short film or a comic. No. All right, so this is how it is. On a distant planet not far from Coruscant, um, Franklin Solo is trying to escape the Empire as they are taking over his planet. And he's got his twin sons, Han and someone else, and they are trying to escape. And Han gets separated from them. And they have to run. There's no way they can get away. And the, and the Empire actually captures Han. Meanwhile, the father is able to take his other twin and put him in an escape pod that shoots through um, hyperspace and comes flying out of hyperspace and crash lands at the base of a pyramid in the Yucatan jungle. And... Um, Sean Connery finds the boy in the crash space thing. And just as he's able to rescue him, it's destroyed in a kind of um, crashing avalanche of the pyramid falling down upon the spaceship in the Yucatan. And so Han Solo is his twin brother is Indiana Jones. I like it. Yeah. I think it'd be a cool way to just do that, you know, the story. It'd be fun. Like it explains why they look the same. Right. right. And then the sixth one would be those two storylines converging again. So the sixth Indiana Jones. Like now he goes somehow the Star Wars story and the Indiana Jones story. So he's united with his brother? Yeah. And now there's a real conundrum for Princess Leia. <laughs> well, especially since she's dead. Conundrum for everyone. Yeah, but I think Hollywood has proven that that does not keep a person out of movies. Well, they're doing a new James Dean movie. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least it's Leia been licensed was, and scripted. Was dead in that last Star Wars, wasn't she? I was thinking of um, watching all nine movies from the first through to the ninth, just because I, I don't think I even saw the ninth one, and I'm not even sure I saw the eighth one. It all got confusing at a certain point with their little intermittent stories they were releasing between the episodic chapters. I got confused. Why? Because I'm old and tired and lonely. <laughs> I don't know. It just like there was some movie they released where I thought it was Star Wars, but it wasn't really Star Wars. It was one of their little intermittent stories and just, yeah. I, When what's her name saw what's his name on the island and they look into the camera and then I was like, ah, okay, you lost me. I don't know where I am anymore. <laughs> Holy Christ. So apparently 
these their rumors are that the Indiana Jones five in, involves um, a dead skeleton. Look at that. That's weird. Well, that's an advertisement. Um, <laughs> so seemingly the surface that the franchise will be sent into outer space while Indy himself won't go into space. Reports claim that Indiana Jones will reunite the adventure with his old enemies, the Nazis, through their involvement in the 60s space race. Um, Mads Mikkelsen is going to be a Nazi scientist enlisted to NASA by the United States government to work on the space agency's moon landing initiative. I think that would actually be a really great way to do it because there actually is evidence that um, the rocket scientists that were part of the yeah, Nazi uh, yeah, I think that's a given nowadays. Like, yeah, we went and got some Nazi scientists to help us land on the moon. Yep. Well, we didn't know we we're going to the moon, but we wanted the rockets, so we went and got them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I hope Indiana Jones is funnier than we were today. We had some moments. We did. Thankfully for editing. There's no yeah. editing. No editing. Unless you want to add it. I don't want to add it. Okay. So it'll just be a long conversation. Yeah. I just, who has time to edit, man? Yeah, it's true. Plus it's not fair. It makes us look good. Yeah. It's like verbal makeup, <laughs> vocal makeup. Just so you know, you won't, you'll be getting the unvarnished truth. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm -hmm. Did that come across? No, too bad. Ah. You have an 11 o'clock? I have work to do. All right. And then at noon, I am teaching a meditation class online. All right. Very nice. Yeah. So. My brother, my brother, Mark, he's in the dark with a spark to light the flight from the cave because we misbehave, but he will save the day he's Mark. Craig, he's a snake. He's awesome and he bakes. There's not much with rhymes with egg, so that's why we call him Greg. He never begs. Oh, he begged a lot. <laughs> he's a beggar. That's what she said. Beggars can't be choosers. Pick one. You can't. Okay, you're a beggar. You can't pick one. All right, that's stupid. I love those axioms and I like purloining them against the possibility that they aren't as true as we like to think they are. Well, yeah, it seems like for every axiom, there's one that says the exact opposite. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for sharing your, what do you call that, manicuring technique with us. For those of you who missed the visual, I trimmed my mustache. Yeah. Thought he was going to go for his nose hairs. No, I'm waiting to braid those. Very nice. We appreciate that. 
Sure. And on that note. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Well, welcome home to you both. Welcome home to me. And uh, thank you for the welcome. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for this opportunity to see you every week and um, try and being funny. Um, looks aren't everything. <laughs> obviously or we share them with you yeah this is an audio presentation only now brought to you in fm radio voice brought to you in technicolor <laughs> fuck you <laughs> brought to you in fuck you color <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah, there are people waiting for me to do some work for them. Recording stopped.